What is up and welcome in. It is Post Loons, June 3rd, 2023. My name is Jeremy Rushing, live from Allianz Field. You can probably hear Ed Sheeran bumping in the background in the stadium as uh, everybody's gone. The cleanup crew is doing their thing. And of course, I'm here to break down Minnesota United's 1-1 draw with Toronto FC from Allianz Field. Again, Jeremy Rushing here with you. I'm hoping to be joined by David Naylor uh, as we move forward here in this uh, show. But um, maybe doing the solo, which should be fine, because that means I can just Q&A with you guys. I can just answer some questions, some comments in the chat, and we can uh, we can make this a fun little you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour, however long it takes as we break down a uh, pretty exciting, all things considered, 1-1 draw between Minnesota United and Toronto FC from Allianz Field tonight. A few things before we actually get into the match itself. If you are watching on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Tap that bell to be notified whenever we drop a new video. And please subscribe to the channel if you could. That would be huge. And also, if you're watching on Twitter, make sure you are um, you know, giving us a like, giving us a retweet, and making sure that you're supporting us that way as well. Now, if you're watching on Twitter and you want to contribute to the show, you want to leave a question or comment. We're not going to be able to see it here um, on the StreamYard. Uh, there's a bit of a connection issue between Twitter and the streaming service we use. So you're going to have to go over to YouTube if you want to leave a question or comment. So just go to YouTube.com, search Post Loons, search Soda Soccer, and you can leave a comment or question there as well. If you're watching on Facebook, you can leave a question or comment there as well. We really appreciate everybody tuning in tonight as we're here to break down Minnesota United's 1-1 draw over Toronto FC. I'll get into my thoughts in just a minute, but first I want to get to some questions and comments. Uh, a two-part uh, comment from Paul Forrester. My son Pax wants to know, are we signing Pookie? And my daughter Bryn wants to know, why do the refs hate us? Well, uh, Paul, uh, I don't know why the refs hate Minnesota United. Rosendo Mendoza was the center official once again tonight, if that tells you anything. Uh, but as far as your son Pax's question, are we signing Pookie? I think the, the road has been paved if you will, from Minnesota United to sign Team Upuki, um, Luis Samaria. It's not officially official yet, but reports and rumors indicate he is out. Obviously, he hasn't been on the team sheet the last couple of uh, matches. Uh, there are rumors and reports swirling that he is on the way to Mazatlan FC in Liga Emekis. Um, He was seen in street clothes at Minnesota United training uh, late this week. You know, uh, giving hugs and and well wishes with teammates and things like that. So it seems like he is out. Timu Puki seems to be the guy that Minnesota United are at least targeting as their main target to replace Amaria once that deal is signed to uh, move Amaria on, and they'll have that DP slot available to sign Timu Puki. Um, nothing official yet. I asked Heath about the Amaria rumors and reports again uh, in post game. Uh, and the post-game media availability, he still says he's he's our player. And as of right now, it is he is officially still Minnesota United's player. So he is not wrong in that uh, in that camp. But as I promised, David Naylor is here on the show, joining me on post loons tonight. David, hold on, we got to make this official. Let me get let me get the official the um, button over, overlay up. Hold on, hold on. Boom. Now we are officially. Hey, look, official. it's me. Um, it's you. Hi, you're the problem. It's you. No, I'm just kidding. You're not the problem. That's right. Um, anyways, what do you what do you think about uh Paul's question here? Is Minnesota United set to sign Team Upuki? What do you think? It you know, the way these things always seem to work, both in MLS and elsewhere, is when enough people start saying the same thing, it always feels like things seem to move in the right direction. 
So if we if we step back to Wednesday night or Tuesday night, wasn't it? Whatever night they played this week. Wednesday. You you had Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press put out a story that's like, will they, won't they? You have it mentioned on the broadcast as a possibility. So that conversation's been out there. And it just like there, there starts to be noise and there starts to be noise in enough different places. It's kind of been the same thing as the Amaria news, right? Because news came from Mexico and then he was left out of the squad on Wednesday and he was left of the squad tonight that he's probably going to Mazatlan. And it's just as more and more things start to be those points of conversation, conversation, it feels like it's on the side where it will be more surprising if it doesn't happen at this point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way. Um, and uh, Cesar Merlo, who is the one who had the initial report on Amaria, he's a very well-respected Argentine journalist. Um, and we got to we got to know during the Emmanuel Reynoso uh, signing saga that seemed to be seven, eight months when Minnesota United was set to sign Reynoso. We kind of got to know which Argentine journalists you could trust and which ones uh, were spewing nonsense. So uh, he's one of the good ones. And he was obviously one of the first to report that Amaria was out. And it does seem like for all things considered, um, you know, they have the international roster spot uh, available now. It seems like all roads are being paved to uh, sign uh, Timu Puki or a Timu Puki-like player uh, once that transfer window opens in July. But, David, we do have a match to talk about tonight as well. It's a 1-1 draw, Minnesota United and Toronto FC. Before we get into more questions and comments, go ahead and give me your kind of just initial takeaways on the match. So it's it's another match, just like I felt after Wednesday, where it really felt like they could have gotten three from this match. And it it felt like a it felt more like a last season Minnesota United game than the early part of this season mm. Minnesota United game because the attack was largely working both on Wednesday and tonight, but the finishing wasn't there, which has been like an age old problem of the tell last me, seven years. Tell me you've heard that one. Right, yeah. like it's but but to to progress to the point where the attack on the field is working and is creating chances that aren't getting finished. We weren't there six weeks ago, right? We were just not creating anything at all. So to get back to the point where we need somebody to finish the chances, like that's progress. So I feel for taking one point from six possible this week, I feel about as good as I could possibly feel about life. Yeah, that's the weird kind of dichotomy that this team has faced over this last week, maybe 10 days, is that the performances have overall been been very good, been very positive performances all around, well-organized, good defensively, creating chances in the attack. The results aren't coming, and you would think that as long as these performances stay consistent and as long as they're doing the right things and the things they need to do, that the results that they want to see will come, that the home wins will come that the road results will continue. Um, With Minnesota United and Minnesota sports in general, we know that's kind of not always the case. Things don't necessarily fall as they should. It's not always fair, but um, you you have to be largely optimistic and at least at some level pleased with the performances overall that we've seen from this team over the last week or so. Let's get into some more questions or comments. So Dave Valeski says we need to effing finish. We need Pookie really bad. Having St. Ben as a false nine is not going to work. Uh, and David, that that actually brings me to, to one of my points here is, you know, Adrian Heath has tried nearly everything up front 
that we've asked him to try. I don't know if he has somebody scrolling Minnesota United Twitter and just taking notes on what people are asking for. But, you know, hey, we want to see Sang Bin and Bongi up front. We want to see how that works. Tried it. We want to see Mender and Sang Bin up front together. Let's see if that works. We've tried it. We want to see Sang Bin as a solo striker. Tried it. And you know, we haven't really seen just much consistency in goal scoring, obviously, at all this season from, from anybody along the front, aside from Bongi from the wing. Um, obviously, the, you mentioned the finishing has been the issue. You know, I mean, is it just signing a big-time striker that can score goals? Is that just the one thing that Minnesota United is missing at this point? No. <laughs> and I saw it in the last 30 minutes of this game because one of the things we have to talk about with this game is the fact that Emmanuel Reynoso played 30 minutes in this game. And for the broadcast, I think, did a good job of touching on this. Not very many people in this attack have played with Emmanuel Reynoso that much mm-hmm. comparatively to last year's team. And if there is a thing that Reynoso has shown us in his career in Minnesota United, it's that he's real good at putting chances on a platter for other people. Yes, he is. And nobody scored tonight, but all of the, well, the, like Ariaga scored in the 89th minute, but all of these like half chances and all of these movements out of possession that Reynoso created in his presence on the field, he's only, he in theory is only going to get into better shape the more match fit he becomes. Yeah. This was the first 30 minutes he's played since October. Like, I'm shocked it was 30, like, it was to be 30. honest. I'm sure if, if we were going to see him tonight, I thought it'd be in a situation where, you know, kind of like they were in, they, if they needed a goal, maybe we'd see him 75th, 80th minute. I did not expect him to see him as early as the 64th and damn, did he look good. Right. And he looked like himself. Yeah. Which that alone to a certain degree, I know it's June and I know we've played like a third of the season at least already, but you kind of have to give the guys around that number 10 position because what song Ben's been playing that 10 position. He's probably not going to play there very much anymore when Reynoso's fully met fit to start. Yep. So then you give Songbin a chance to start either on the wing next to Reynoso or up top with Reynoso. You put Mender up front with Reynoso, see what works. You have Bongi in his newly energized form playing probably beside Reynoso on the right. Yep. You, you kind of have to now reevaluate what you have in terms of the players you have in house right now, now that your catalyst for your offense is back. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point because the way Minnesota United has played without Reynoso has been much different than what we have seen with Reynoso in the past. It's been a more defensive focused style where they're not necessarily running everything through the, the middle of the park and running everything through a a central midfield talisman that is going to just take the keys and you know decide what happens in pretty much every attacking buildup. Um, so do they revert all the way back to that or do they try to integrate Reynoso into the style that they have been playing and see if he can adapt to that. That, to me, is the biggest question in terms of how they utilize Reynoso moving forward. Because I think by the end of this, this really this respite they get in June, they have, this is one of three league matches that they're playing all June after playing it seemed like a billion in May. And so by the end of June, we're going to see Amanda Reynoso probably starting from there on out. I would expect to, yeah. The question is, how are they going to utilize him? Is it just going to be give him the keys, play it through Ray, and you know, somebody else get on the end of it and score? 
or is it going to be much of what we've seen in the early part of the season just with Reynoso in there and hoping that 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 increase in quality that you get with Reynoso on the pitch will help make that style that they've been playing more effective. Well, and Reynoso doesn't necessarily fit badly into the style they've been playing. They've been playing a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure and counterattacking style, right? Mm -hmm. Last season in MLS, Emmanuel Reynoso was in more duels than any other player in the league. Yes. That's a wide margin. By a wide margin. That's just the ball. Two years in a row, he's had the most in the entire league. Like that's that's a real stat. That's a thing I've written about in a bunch in various places over the years because it's insane how on the ball he wants to be, whether the Loons have possession or not. And you saw that a couple times tonight. It wasn't like a focal point of the attack, but Reynoso's ability to both get the ball in tight spaces and get it out to someone else and to create turnovers in order to do that himself, that's something they haven't had in – they've had pieces of that but haven't had both pieces of that together where you can get the ball but then it ends up out of bounds or ends up down the pitch back into touch. Where Reynoso, there's a play I was thinking of in like the 80th minute where he turned the ball over in Toronto's attacking half on the right side of the field, got the ball out from three people and kept possession for Minnesota. That's how Minnesota's counterattack actually can flourish is if they can create those turnovers and escape to get out on the run, where Emmanuel Reynoso's passing ability we've seen in years past is fabulous in that exact setting to hit runners out around him, to hit Abongi, to hit Asangban, to hit Fragapane, who had way more success last year with Reynoso than he has this year. No goals, no nothing for Franco so far. And it, I, I think like there's going to be pieces of both, right? Because it's not necessarily that Reynoso doesn't fit what they have been doing. He almost adds an element to it, and they can continue that with having him to pull the strings. Yeah, and they, they've they been missing that. They've been missing – I mean, just, just watching the where the press box is at Allianz Field, the where Minnesota was attacking in the second half was yeah. right in front of us. And to see Ray – basically get a front-row seat. To see Ray, the way he just navigates those tight, tight pockets of space – and just doesn't give the ball up and is able to work his way through defenders and keep the ball and get himself at a good angle to shoot on goal. I mean, it's it's that it's that almost almost intangible like aspect of his game that Minnesota has just been missing, that spark, that that it factor for lack of a better term. That Minnesota has really just been missing that that just sheer sheer quality he brings so hopefully with more time with the team in training and more time on the pitch um he'll continue to grow and and get a little bit more um you know with with the team there um on that um i do want to mention Kervin ariaga's goal as well in the 89th minute that is huge for his confidence um he is somebody who he started so strong this season you know th- four or five matches in we were talking about ariaga as this team's you know surefire mvp early in the season with the impact he was making in that defensive midfield. And that just completely fell off over the last month. He couldn't keep himself on the pitch, both injury lines and with cars. He should have. Yeah, no, he's been benched the last few matches. Yep. And he can't keep himself. He can't. Absolutely. Yeah. It's totally fair with the, the card accumulation and with his, you know, he had picked up a couple knocks as well. Um, just couldn't keep himself on the pitch. And then by the time he was kind of ready to go again, you have a, this trap dots in midfield that seems to really be clicking right now. 
And so, yeah, no, he definitely deserves, you know, the, the spot he's currently in. But on his day, he can be this team's best player and most impactful piece. And hopefully seeing the ball hit the back of the net will kind of maybe give him the confidence to, to kind of re-reach that potential, if you will. Your thoughts on that, David? I, yeah, like so much of what we see on the pitch in MLS at any level almost is a confidence game. We've talked about it a lot with the striker position and with goal scoring, right? As soon as a striker, whether it's your Menders, your Luises, your Abu Dunladis, like however far you want to go back into the striker history, as soon as those guys see a ball hit the back of the net, the confidence just skyrockets and you see guys hit rich veins of form that are just everything's clicking, everything's fit into the right places. The same can be true of basically any position on the field. We, you could talk about that with Dane Sinclair this year of when Dane was on a heater at the start of last year, you were, no one was getting anything past him ever period. And this year it's looked like the confidence hasn't been quite there. And so for curve and I think the same lessons are too completely applicable where his positioning hasn't seemed like it's been, in where it needs to be defensively. There have been goals scored by people that he's been supposed to be marking that you wouldn't normally expect him to give up. His passing hasn't been at the level you would expect it to be for a starting MLS defensive midfielder. And to for him to like score the goal, yeah, but to be an impact player as he came on the field for the last 30 minutes alongside Reno, so I think is big for him. 100%. And uh, he had mentioned, he had mentioned a couple things in post-game availability where I'll talk to him. And uh, that, that were really encouraging to me. One, he had mentioned that he is really putting a focus on, on staying clean, on not getting cards and keeping himself available and on the pitch, which is something Minnesota absolutely needs. Um, and he needs to do so in a way where he doesn't completely change his style of play because yep. he does bring a little bit of, uh, of a, a presence to the pitch that you don't really want to lose there. But at the same time, there's a way to do that without constantly being in card accumulation danger area um but then adrian heath also mentioned that you know ariaga's got a good foot on him he's really got a good strike and he wants to see Kervin actually get involved in the attack more and get more opportunities on goal like you saw tonight and i think that's going to be really important especially with ray back just having more options to get on the end of things uh, more options for rebounds more you know just more more feet that can put the ball in the back of the net, the better, especially when you have a Amanda Reynoso returning to the pitch. Uh, speaking of Reynoso, Dave Valensky has a comment. said, you owe my friend Eric Grady a Coke. You guys said that Reynoso wasn't going to play until July. He said probably as soon as possible he was right. That is false, Dave. If you go back and listen, I know what episode of Postlands you're talking about. It's me and Jacob. And we said that Ray would return probably in June, but he was not going to play a full 90 until July. And the comment we were responding to, I don't know if it was by Eric, but the comment insinuated, this was like May 10th, and it insinuated that we would see Ray within the next, on the pitch within the next like week or two after that, which we were saying was not going to be the case. It was going to take more time. It was going to be at least June until he came back, and it was going to be at least July until he played a full 90. So, Dave, thank you so much for listening to Post Loons and watching. Really appreciate it. That was how that went down if you go back and, and watch the tape. But anyways, let's get to some more questions or comments. Uh, Foot Trap 10, Will Trap's Burner says, uh, got to say, 
And when the ships are down, Valentin doesn't hesitate to send a long ball into the final third. And damn, they're on the money. Yeah, uh, look, they weren't getting a lot down the left-hand side of the pitch in the attack. They were getting a lot on the right. It seemed like a lot of times tonight, Valentin was standing there waving his hand, wanting the ball to go come his way. Um, and with Reynoso back, it'll be interesting to see if they put a new a new further emphasis like they used to on attacking down the flanks and getting those um, fullbacks in overlapping positions. I think with DJ Taylor moving from right to left, that wasn't necessarily going to be something he thrived in in this particular match. Uh, but with Valentin, I think you're he's he's somebody who can make that happen. He is a more defensively focused fullback, but I think he's, he is somebody who can play that kind of game along the right. So um, you know, the ball but, in the 60th ish minute, like yeah. right before Reynoso came on to Sungbin, that Sungbin just missed the chance to the right of the goal frame was just an unbelievable ball to set Sungbin free like that. Yeah. That kind of quality, they, Minnesota has the plays to take advantage of that if those balls are coming out. No, they, they 100% do, and they they need they desperately need more of that goal-scoring contribution from the back, whether it's long balls or whether it's playing the ball through effectively. Um, that's something especially that, again, with Reynoso in, this provides a whole new factor into what Minnesota United is going to do moving forward. With Reynoso in, I feel like that, that connectivity can, can be that much better uh, back to front. Uh, Christopher Mitchell, feel like Fragapane is struggling in the attacking third. He's been asked to do a lot of things that maybe aren't necessarily his strong suit or what he ideally be is wanting to do on the pitch so far this season. Um, you know, he's been played at the 10 last two weeks, two, three weeks. Which is not his role. <laughs> not his role at all. Um, so to me, it's it's no wonder he's been struggling. But I think with Fragapani, you're putting him there because you want to have both Rosales and Bongi, their presence in the in the final third, and neither of them are going to play the 10. So by process of elimination, it's a Fragapane that goes to the 10. It's, so. it's almost like having your team starting 10 back matters for this equation Ooh, too. <laughs> yeah, almost as if. We'll have to see. Uh, K-City uh, says, any noise on a fullback, so little depth. Um, yeah, I do have noise on a fullback. His name is Bakai Debasi. Um, he will probably be playing fullback for this team when he returns. Um, I think I don't think that Box Altapia's uh, center back partnership is going anywhere. And if you look at, you know, with all due respect to Kamar Lawrence, he was fantastic for this team last year and has shown he can be fantastic on the left of this team. Um, that is, I, I think, the one spot where you're looking at Debasi's return that you can really kind of upgrade in that in that back six is that left back position debasi can play there he is a like left center back left back left center back kind of flex type player so i have to imagine that's where debasi will slot in when he returns as far as the timeline goes for that um sooner rather than later um i asked heath on wednesday about both reynoso and debasi and he said debasi probably wouldn't be available for saturday but the way he answered the question said not maybe think not Saturday, but sometime soon after. So again, I'm, I'm not quoting Adrian Heath there. That's just my uh, interpretation of kind of what he meant with his body language and, and stuff there. Can, so. can I make some noise about a fullback? Yeah, go for it. Can, can we shout out Devin Pedelford for making his MLS debut tonight? So we got to talk to Devin in the locker room <laughs> after the game 
the he was so excited, David. Like this kid in the candy store getting coming on the pitch in that moment. Like the, he had mentioned that it helped that Ray came on before him because the crowd was already jacked and hyped. So he got to kind of have part of that when he came on the pitch. But to go up against two guys that have been playing in the that have played in the Champions League in the last three years, three, four years, uh, in your first time, that is just a it's a wild scenario to be in. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he looked pretty good, too. He kind of held his own uh, during his time on. He he made a couple impact plays and he um, you know, he's somebody who's kind of been waiting for this opportunity for a while. He's been playing with them in UFC, too, for the last couple of years. And he's played in friendlies for the first team, but not somebody who's gotten a chance to play in MLS up until tonight, his MLS debut. And what a position to do it in. I was surprised to see him to be honest, but uh, looking back at that performance, I think it's something that maybe in four or five years, we'll look back on and be like, oh, that was Devin Padelford's debut. He's now doing much bigger and better things. Well, and I, I've i got a post, a comment. I'm gonna put this in the chat so you can throw it up on the screen with your magic here um, for from Durkee here of okay. a quote from Devin Padelford during his media availability. Um, yeah. So Padelford is a local kid uh, the quote is, growing up, I remember working in the concession stands here before I even played. And so to be on the field now and play in front of everyone is just a dream come true. Nothing can describe it. It's so amazing. This is the kind of um, player to, to have that, a local kid who who worked the concession stands at Alliance Field, which was built four years ago, yeah, playing on wild, the field huh? for Minnesota. That's, that's not a thing this team has had ever. Never. Yes. And here is, here's the full quote for you guys. Um, yeah, when he told us that, that was kind of a, a wow moment. That's insane. Uh, for us in the media room that, you know, and it, so that was his sophomore year of high school. Yeah. <laughs> At that point. <coughs> Excuse me. And now he's playing on the field against, you know, people, players who played for Napoli and Juventus within the last five years. Like that's that's pretty wild. That's a that's one of those moments he is going to remember forever, and uh, really cool that he gets. And that that's tonight. like if if Minnesota can actually, if Minnesota can develop anything from within from MNUFC two to be playable at the MLS level to be able to soak up some minutes, that's more than they've done at all with their youth developments. No disrespect 100%. to Fred Emmings, who continues to be available and was the first homegrown player in the club's history. But when you're a backup goalkeeper, you're probably not going to play that much, and that's just life. Mm -hmm. To to see Pidelford make that appearance and to play on the pitch and not look completely out of his depth, that's a huge step for Minnesota overall. Yep, it is. And with uh, just with the system that Adrian Heath plays, but that, that back line and that defense is just so crucial to how they operate. And how they keep other, you know, keep themselves in matches, and um, how they just produce quality, no hundred percent. And uh, really cool to see Pedelford make his debut and, and, and thrive in it. Uh, more questions and comments to jump into. Let's get to who are we going to jump into here? Uh, Chris Alphaby, appreciate you, Chris. Says I friend think there needs program. to be, a, yeah, friend of the program indeed. Uh, I think there needs to be an identity. There hasn't seemed to be chemistry for years, no matter how long anyone has been here. Yes, I am here with my Doomer take. Definitely a Doomer take, Chris. I'm not going to completely disregard it, though. I think this team has shown that there can be instances in which they have a lot of chemistry on the pitch. Um, but I think 
it's a product of the way they have played just exclusively through Reynoso in the past, where it's hard to see the team as, as cumulative and as, um, I, I, don't, I don't know what other word I'm looking for, when you're just directly playing through one player, and that one player is so incredibly crucial to how you operate. It's hard to see this, this gelling among, among 11 when you, when you play that way. And then this year, there really hasn't been much opportunity. I mean, not to say there hasn't been opportunity for chemistry, but you've had a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces. You bring in Sung Ben, Reynoso's been out. Now Reynoso's back. Now you lose Robin Lud. Uh, Bakai Debasi's on the way back. So you've had a lot of, of mixing and matching and, and trying to find contribution from different places. And you've been trying different players in different spots. You've run the 3-5-2. You've run the 4-4-2. You've run the 4-3-3. You've run the 4-2-3-1. It's, it's hard to find continuity in chemistry when you're kind of in a situation where Heath has been in where you just, you're just trying to try things and see if something can really work and click um, with how you're putting your lineups out there. On the other side of that, does that mean Heath should have maybe just stuck with something and given it four or five, six straight runouts and given an opportunity to to gel and be continuous? Potentially, but that's not the way they decided to go. And we'll have to see how the how the rest of the season goes um, moving forward. But do you have any thoughts on the on the chemistry comments, David? It's it's the problem it's been all season. Reynoso is their identity. You hit it on the head. Like he has been their identity basically since he signed for the team. Playing through Reynoso is the team. It's how they had their most successful playoff run. It's how they had like all of these pieces of of what is Minnesota United? What do you expect to see when you see Minnesota United? It's Emmanuel Reynoso pulling the strings. Like yeah. that's that's what it's been. That's what it is. That's what it's probably going to be now that he's back. And when he's here, that's okay. But anytime he's gotten hurt, much less than in Argentina for months, you see the flaw in that when you have no they don't have anyone developed to even be a shadow of what he is to this team. Mm-hmm. It's the the way I think of it a lot is I watch a lot of basketball too, and in the NBA they use a stack called usage, which is how much a given player on the floor at a given time takes the shots, passes, dribbles, whatever. It's how much of control of the ball they have, right? And when you divide by five, you expect it to be like 20% for each player, right? Mm-hmm. I think out of 11, Emmanuel Reynoso has 20% of the control of the ball when he's on the field for Minnesota, if not more than that. Maybe because more. he's that That's important to how they work on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, again, you talked about earlier, he's on the ball a lot, whether they're in possession or out of possession. And When you have a player that just, one player that's solely on the ball such a majority of the time, you're not going to see a lot of chemistry because the opportunity to show it and, and cultivate it among 11 is just not quite there. Uh, let's see. Matthew Mills jumping in says, Valentin plays like our best fullback. Did he finally earn a full-time starter role? DJ is just unimpressive and his blind crosses to nobody are so tiresome. Um, I'm going to agree agree and disagree with you, with you here, Matthew. I agree that Valentin has shown the quality of a, of a starter when given the opportunity. I do completely agree with that. I think he has been – his veteran presence on the field, I think, is crucial. Um, and just the way he plays, there, there's no – if you watch Valentin, if you watch a match and you just watch, keep your eyes solely focused on him, there's, like, no wasted motion. It's kind of incredible the way he plays, where it's just every little movement he makes is so is so intentional and so um, 
crucial and and it's it's just it's interesting to watch to watch a player play that that fluid on the field where i disagree with you is i actually think dj taylor has been pretty good on the right so far this season yes blind crosses are there yes in terms of getting involved in the attack he hasn't been there very much in terms of being effective in that role but i think minnesota has been in a place without reynoso that they're looking to defend first and grind out a goal any way they can. And in that defend first aspect, I think Taylor has been pretty good. Tonight, not so much because he's going one-on-one with Bernadeschi, who is on his day, one of the best wingers in the entire league. And number two, he's also playing on the left, which is not his preferred or ideal position. Not, not, you know, completely absolving him of any responsibility or expectation on there. But I do think it's important to note. David, what do you think? The Where I would push back on DJ in particular is there there was a moment tonight where DJ got in down the side and sent in a cross across the like six-yard box, a little bit outside the six-yard box on the ground. It was my favorite cross I've seen him send in forever. And all of the attackers had already gotten to the goal line. Mm-hmm. It was it was the like that was a perfect cross. It was in the danger zone. The keeper couldn't come forward. It was out and about. But none of Minnesota's attackers were in the right place for it. And there was nobody making that run. Because if somebody had been making a run into the box at that point, it was an open goal. Mm-hmm. Perfectly placed ball on the ground. No weird bounces. No defenders in the way. Nothing. And the fact that Minnesota couldn't get a single body on that, I don't know whether that's DJ's fault or whether that's the attack's fault. Because that seems like the kind of thing, like, if you see, as an attacking player, your your winger, right back go down the side, or your left back go down the side, and get open to it, you have to time your run to them. Yep. Almost more than they have to time their cross to you. Because they have the ball and have to, have to pick the time, and they have to pick. So it... Don't get me wrong. There are some dumb blind crosses there too, but but there are moments where it just doesn't seem like the, the communication between both he and Valentine and the attacking quartet is where it needs to be just with timing not making sense. That's that's what I'm seeing anyway. And this is something Adrian Heath has, has mentioned too, and I've asked him about it because I think in crossing accuracy, Minnesota United is still among the bottom of the league in crossing accuracy percentage. And I asked Heath, I've asked Heath about it. I was like, you know, what do you what do you think about this? What do you guys need to do? And he, he told me, he goes, I don't think it's necessarily the crosses that are the issue. It's we're not getting guys in the right spots to be on the other end of those crosses to make something from them. We're sending crosses in the box and nobody's making a run to receive them. And I think that echoes exactly what you're saying there, David, where I, I think that is true. And I think that's something that I think it took me a while to realize this too. And it may take people, uh, you know, kind of maybe got to view the game a little bit differently when you think about it this way, but you are right. It is more the runner's responsibility to get on the end of the cross than the crosser's responsibility to find the head of the runner. It's two pieces of the same puzzle, right? Like you, in order to complete a pass, you have to have someone hit the ball and someone receive the ball. It's, Mm -hmm. it's two people. Like that's how it works. Absolutely. All right, let's get some more. Uh, questions. No matter how you rate Ray, no matter what you think about his situation, when he was subbed in, it felt like we had a chance. It's more positive about the sub than I have been with others recently. The roar in Allianz Field. 
there have been there have been questions on social media what what what's going to happen when Ray comes on and I think I saw a poll recently somebody when Ray when Mano Reynoso gets subbed on how will you react will it be a ovation polite applause or a boo or something like that well, nobody's gonna boo um it was a thunderous ovation in Allianz Field tonight when Amanda Reynoso came on in the in the 64th minute, I believe. And it, it was you, you can tell that I think all is really forgiven there among Ray and the fans and his teammates. This was sort of, I think, the final box to check in terms of what Amanda Reynoso needed to do in returning and to kind of get back to pre-drama Reynoso last year. Reynoso um, situation. And uh, I think it's all eyes are moving forward. I think it's this sort of mix of, I, I think he has done well to do what he needs to do to apologize and sort of behind the scenes work with his teammates. He put out a great video speaking to the fans as well. I think he's checked all of those boxes. I think the last boxes to check is what we saw tonight getting back on the field. I think it helped a lot that he put on a damn good performance in his cameo too. You you were in the house for it. I will say that's about the loudest I've heard Allianz this year on the TV broadcast period. Yeah, 100%. Straight up. 100%. I think the end of oh, – this sounds, this sounds bad now, but the end of the Vancouver match before they gave up the last second goal yeah. was very, very loud during stoppage time. Um, and so maybe, maybe I think that was like the last time it got that loud, but I guess the Ariaga's goal in the 90th probably had a pretty yeah. good roar to it too. Very good ovation for Ariaga's goal as well, obviously, because that polls Minnesota United level. And you're, I, I thought after that, especially the way off the kickoff, they got the ball back and were immediately attacking it. I thought for sure they were going to get a second, yeah. to be honest. Um, it really felt like it was going that way. So to take a different angle to the Ray question here, right? It's. For me, it's not just the – we've talked about a lot of the things he does on the pitch, right? So in terms of the specifically – felt like we had a chance, right? That quote with Ray. Mm -hmm. His chance in the – I want to say like the 71st, 72nd minute when he just kind of got the ball out of nothing in the edge of the 18 and took a shot that just missed the outside of the post. That, mm -hmm. that came out of nowhere. Yep. And that's just not the thing that this team does very well. They don't make stump something out of nothing very well. And he just, like, he about nailed that right in the corner of the goal, just out of nothing. And that's that's Reynoso to a T, is that he can just do that. Yeah. The other piece of this is, no offense to Sam Injong and Frank Fagapane, Emmanuel Reynoso standing over a set piece and standing over a cross, it's different than anybody else on this squad, and that's just a fact, sorry. 100%. So, like, having him, I the way I was looking at corners – the, when they, I think it was the before Ariaga's goal, when they got like back to back to back corners in the 85th, 86th minute, I'm like, oh, this is these are Reynoso corners going in. He's putting them in the right spot just every single time. And having that threat as a part of the team, I last year they were tremendously threatening on set pieces and had yeah. a huge number of goals that were directly from corner kicks. And it's something they had won on the cool routine for Tapias right at the start of the year and haven't been able to do anything for set pieces since. So to have your team's designated set piece taker, Song, Song Ben and Franco and Kervin, when they've had, who have been the people who have done it, depending on where it is, 
have done a great job in his absence, but he 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 hits stuff differently and he can hit targets differently than other people can. As that he has the vision to do that. So having whenever you see him over a set piece or see him over a corner kick, that's that's different in the 85th 90th minute of a game to see that. It's like it's this. It's almost like it's like a magic foot almost. Like it really is, especially relative to, to what we've seen. Yeah. Um, and again, no disrespect to any other guys that you mentioned, but it's a, there. Are, I think of the phrase that people say, there are levels to this, right? There are levels to this. And Emmanuel Reynoso is just on a different level. The reason why, there's a reason why he's paid more than twice as much as the next highest paid player on Minnesota United's team. Because he is, he's just that good. And he's just that impactful on the team. So I completely agree with when, when Reynoso comes in in the 64th, you automatically, your, your, the, your outlook on the match just immediately changes because of his quality on the pitch. And you, and that comes before he even touches the ball, to be honest. And then he shows what he can do and you're okay. We're probably winning this thing, let alone tying it. So it, uh, no, I, I totally agree. I was, I was feeling that same way, Dan. Um, let's take, take a quick time out here though. And uh, recognize some friends of ours at Colosso kits, bringing unique vintage jerseys to your home are Colosso kits. Now, if you have heard me talk about Colosso Kits before, but you just haven't taken that step to uh, to you know check them out and potentially get yourself a unique vintage jersey, or whether you're hearing this for the first time, just just put it in your web browser. You don't have to you don't have to browse right now. Maybe you can browse after we're done. Browse tomorrow. You know, do it on your phone while you're going to bed tonight. Whatever you want to do, go in your browser, whether it's on your phone or a computer, and just type ColossoKits.com. And then when it's time, just search for a club that you like, whether it's your EPL club, whether it's another club you like in Europe, whether it's uh, an old school NASL club, you want to see if they have any throwback stuff, whether it's Minnesota United, another MLS team, a USL team, just, just search for a team or a national team. US, If you're a big U.S. men's or women's national team fan, they got a bunch of stuff there for you as well. If you're a fan of another national team, they probably got something for you there too. So just go to ColossoKids.com and just type your favorite team's name in the search bar and just see what pops up. You will probably find there is something there for you, and it's a unique vintage kit that you're not going to find really anywhere else, or not even a kit, maybe a kit or a piece of apparel. So do that, ColossoKids.com. And when you find that they have that great thing and you put it in your cart and you go to checkout, make sure you use code LOONS, L-O-O-N-S, at checkout. And you'll get 15% off your order. Big thanks to our friends at Colosso Kits for supporting the show. Let me get the let me get the banner back. Here we are. We are good to go. We've hit about the halfway point. We really appreciate the uh, questions and comments. Uh, Dave Valensky says, do they have a Minnesota Kicks jersey? So they're like replenishing their stock all the time. I did not see a Kicks jersey last time I looked. I do think they have like a 2018 or so Minnesota United jersey there. Last I checked, it's been a couple of weeks, so it might even be different now. Um, but just search Minnesota when you go to Colossal Kits and see what pops up. I'm sure there'll be something there for you. At some point, they had like two NASL era Minnesota United jerseys that uh, they were that, that were on there too. So, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff at Colossal Kits. So make sure. Make sure you're checking them out, ColossalKids.com. Use that code loons. I'm currently, my my search over this time was to look at um, the South Korea national team selection they have, which they've got some good 2006, 2008 vintage South Korea national team stuff to 
investigate. They, they unfortunately, however, if we're thinking back with the team of Pookie line, don't have any Finnish national team stuff, mm. which if you think about the history of Minnesota United and its relationship with the Finnish national team, we've, we've hosted a lot of Finnish national team players already. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, you know, just, just a board in the ear to our people at Galazzo Kits. Finland? Look into some Finland for us. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, I think Pookie would make four, right? Yeah, I think it's it, four. Because it was um, the defender whose name it's is... It's Lloyd Schuller and the one... Rasmus Schuller. Uh, yeah, Yuka writes a lot. Writes, uh, writes a lot, and then yeah. Pookie would be four, yeah. yeah then, and then there's always been at least one since 2017. Yeah. Yeah, always been one. Always one Finn. Always got to have one. Can I bring up Chris Affleby again here? Yeah, the 20 shots, four on target. Because I because I want to talk about this one. So 20 shots, four on target, 1.92 XG. MLS website is 1.8, so about the same. Life of a sports fan is just a circle. So there's what I want to say about this, because I was going to talk about this if we did, got to three things. Um, we were wasteful, yes. Two chances in this game were half of that XG. Yep. So one of them was the bongi miss chance, which... Honestly, I was surprised to see him miss that. If we're going to talk about confidence level we have in our attackers, I expect him to score those now with how he's I been playing think this the season. ball kicked up onto his knee. On it, him. it hit his shin. It hit him right in the shin. Yeah. Not not absolving him. I think that's no, something. If so you're a pro, you still got to finish that, but it wasn't a clean. So that, that was over 0.5 XG on its own. The other big one was Mender Garcia's chance in the 88th minute right before the tie of the game which was just an unbelievable block by Toronto's Mabika, the defender. Just like that was a surefire goal until Mabika got his foot in there. And like all the credit in the world to that, that's not something I can. Mender did everything he was supposed to do on that one. And Mabika just made a heck of a play. That was, that was just the how, how, how. You're seeing the ball fall. Garcia is inside the six-yard box. And the ball is falling to him. And it seems like he has an open goal and he puts a really good foot to it. And then somehow there's just another foot there to, to poke it away. The the broadcast was on top of this. Mabika had an amazing game in defense for Toronto, just on top of absolutely everything. Before we go, we need to talk about the Sean Johnson experience tonight. <laughs> that was, <laughs> Which happened? That? that was one of the like most sweeper, keeper gone wrong like scenarios i've seen in a while he comes so he comes all the almost almost to the sideline um to play a ball out because minnesota did a good job of getting pressure on the keeper i think it was a really slow back pass to him that allowed minnesota to get up on him and he he made a good decision he got it through he got it to his defender he then he goes out of the box to his right almost to the sideline calling for the ball back fine you're the, you're really the only outlet for your defender. Instead of just kicking it long, he decides he is going to then try to play it out of that situation, which obviously does not go well. It goes right to Hassani Dodson. And he he tries, tries his darndest to get a shot on the open goal. It gets blocked because there are about five or six Toronto defenders in the way. It then goes to who did it go to? Fragapani, I think, uh, on the uh, other end of it. I think you're right. And then his shot was blocked as well. But I don't know if I've ever seen a keeper come that far out 
on the side before. And then not only that, try to actually play it out of that scenario. That was very interesting. And then two minutes later, he got a back pass to him and chipped underneath it. So it hardly got past his 18, past the line of the 18 immediately oh. after that for no real reason. It wasn't even under pressure. So like, I, I agree. Dave Valensky in the chat here. Let's talk about Johnson for a little bit. If you want to beat Toronto, you got to pressure Johnson. He's horrible with his feet. I'd agree with that. Yeah, he was the one, uh, the debut at Allianz Field, right? Yep, yep, the, the first goal at Allianz Field, that's right. First goal at Allianz Field. NYCFC. Yeah, it doesn't get credited to him because it actually didn't hit his foot. He tried yep. to play it and just let the ball go right through him into the back of the net. I just now realized that. I forgot I, about that, but that was Sean Johnson. Yeah, it was Sean Johnson. <laughs> him and Allianz Field just do not, do not mix well, evidently. Um, anyways, um, we, I mean, you guys had so many questions and comments for us tonight. I'm, I'm not even going to try to count because there's so many, we really appreciate the interaction. If you have any more, we can stick around for, it's almost 1130. We can stick around for another five, six minutes. If you guys want, we had our three things. I think we've covered them for the most part. I can go into the dock here and see. Mine are all good. Yeah. Mine are all good. Um, my, I guess my final thing, which is, I think a great part to end on, this is the end of the tunnel for Minnesota. Um, after nine games and 31 days, I think now, uh, for Minnesota United, they now only have two more league games the rest of the month. Um, and they, in the middle of that is a friendly on June 17th. So a lot of good time for rest, a lot of good time for Ray to get reintegrated with the club. Um, the, the hellish month of May is over in terms of run of games. I think for the most part, you're feeling pretty good about where Minnesota is coming out of this. I know the home results haven't been there. And if you win just a couple more home games, you're feeling a hell of a lot better coming into this point. But, and and I hate, like, I hate giving Minnesota, like, the this type of benefit of the doubt because it seems like we've done it a lot. And then when they get fully healthy, something happens where a switch flips and either they go on a huge run or they still end up falling flat on their face. But, you know, they, they've been down a lot of guys, Lud, Reynoso, DeBossi still working his way back. So there's a lot of optimism moving forward that when those guys come back, obviously it's not a surefire thing that all of a sudden Ray and DeBossi come back and this team is now just just killing it and, and you know, moving their way up the table and will end up third in the West when it's all said and done. But at the same time, given where this team has been, given what they have gone through personnel-wise, you know, to be above the playoff line and be above that weird best of three playoff line now, which is, I think, the goal where you want to be, Minnesota, obviously making the playoffs, but I think you want to avoid that best of three first round if you can. Uh, they're in that scenario. Out of this hellish month, you have Ray and DeBossi coming back. You put together some good performances over the last couple of weeks. I think all in all, you're feeling pretty good. The, the other thing to keep in mind with June is there is an international break over the top of that friendly game on the 17th. So Minnesota's international players might end up having to travel and do what they have to do for that team. Ironically, Robin Lud being out hurt takes out one of the most significant ones of those because Robin's a regular starter for that Finland team. But he's probably not going to be traveling with them because he's hurt right now. So yeah. maybe Minnesota will be less pressured by the international break than some other clubs in the league that may have to release more of their players for that break. Yeah. Um, I think the only one I can think of, because I don't know during that time how many different countries and, and competitions there are. I know for sure you'll have Dane St. Clair because you have the you have the Nations League semifinals and final happening that weekend in Vegas. 
Um, I'm I'm sure UEFA probably has something going on. Yeah, I I, um, I just looked up Finland because it was at the top of my head, and they have a couple of friendly scheduled over Mountain Day, yeah. I don't think. So, um, yeah, so that'll be interesting to. to oh to no, see. it's it's Euro qualifiers, my mistake. So it is actually yeah. important. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out of that. Um, you know, I think the last time they had the international break, um, there were a couple guys that were late getting back. Uh, Michael Boxall being one of them that weren't able to play in that next match. So we'll have to see if there are any travel issues there. But um, all in all, a less eventful month of June, which I think we're all kind of looking forward to. Uh, players. The fans, other one to keep an eye on, I, w- I would guess, would be South Africa. Yeah, if Bongi gets the call. Yeah, they have an African Cup of Nations qualification on that Saturday. Yeah, and Chris Alphaby says Bongi, both Hondurans, DSC. Yep. Um, I don't know if o- Oceania has anything going on where Michael Boxall, because that that's a long flight for him uh, too. So if he has anything going on, that might be that might impact with their, you know, his availability coming on, on the back end of that as well. But anyways, in any case, um, we're looking at a much less eventful month of June, and as we move forward here, you have Ray's return tonight, which leaves you very optimistic for the impact he can make. You have Debassi just set to to come back uh, within the next couple of weeks, it seems. So uh, personnel-wise, you're feeling pretty good. And although the result wasn't there tonight, a fifth home draw of the 2023 campaign, which is obviously not what you want if you're Minnesota. You want to get wins at home at Allianz Field. You want to make this place a fortress. Um, but it's that weird dichotomy that we kind of had off the top here, David, where, no, they haven't got the results specifically at home, but they haven't they haven't been playing in a way that makes you think, oh, this is not a playoff team. So I think maybe end where we started there. The the one availability asterisk I would give is I believe Will Trapp's yellow tonight puts him one away from an accumulation suspension of his own. Yeah, I think this is does. this was number four for the season. Yeah. So something to monitor for the center midfield. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's kind of where the Ariaga's confidence kind of getting bolstered up comes back into play where if Trap can't go, you know, Ariana Ariaga Dotson might be might be where you have to go and you want an Ariaga that's gonna keep A himself clean, but also be be confident and kind of become that impact player that we saw in the beginning part of the season. Uh guys, we really appreciate the questions and comments. Uh we will be back next Saturday. Uh it's Loons and CF Montreal and finally we get on the right side of the of the kickoff time change here, where the loons are out east. So it's not a later kickoff; it's actually an earlier kickoff, six thirty Central Time. And David Naylor and Carter Hofer will be your post loons hosts for that. I get one. the back to back. I got lucky. Back to back, David Naylor. Uh, we love it. We appreciate you, man. Um, that'll kick off at about, uh, post loons will kick off. I should say at about, you know, nine 15 ish on, uh, on next Saturday. So join us back here for them. Uh, join us back here. Then, uh, make sure you're following us at soda soccer at soda S O C on the social soda soccer.com. And if you do want to directly support our work, you know, David and I are both paid for doing this show and we can't do that without your direct support. So if you want to take that next step, patreon.com slash soda soccer head there for as low as three dollars you can contribute to what we're doing here at soda soccer make sure we can stay sustainable and and keep doing what we're doing because not only do we want to cover minnesota soccer like it hasn't been covered we want to make sure the people that are putting the hard work in to do that are uh, compensated for their time so again patreon.com slash soda soccer 
as you are leaving the stream tonight, make sure you're giving us a thumbs up. Make sure you are uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're tapping that bell to be notified whenever we drop a new video on our YouTube channel. If you're watching on Twitter, make sure you give us a like and a retweet if you can. We would love that. And uh, just be a friend and tell a friend, whether you're, it's about the Patreon, whether it's about our YouTube, whether it's about the site in general, whether it's about our Twitter page. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Let's get as many people consuming this content as humanly possible. David, any any last words tonight? I'm all good. Appreciate you. Please, like Jeremy said, support the show, support our work. Check us out on, Pat, on Patreon. There's so much, so much content from here, from the Tuesdays tonight. I know we had a summary of the Tuesdays game from today, mm-hmm. from the NPSL season, from Minnesota Aurora. Who, good lord, you want to watch a team score some goals? Go watch Aurora. That dropped ten on somebody this week. <laughs> <laughs> they have outscored their first three opponents 19 to nil have Minnesota Aurora. So if you so, want some goals by a Minnesota soccer team, go watch Aurora. They're great. Yeah. And then go read Matthew Johnson's great recaps. That's, that's right. All right. He's David Naylor. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been Post Loons. We'll see you next Saturday. Bye, guys.